Ladies, ladies, you don't have to wait for someone else to show enthusiasm for you. You can do that for yourself. We can do that together. Welcome to the Cup of Glow podcast. I'm your host, Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva, and I have the t-shirt to prove it. The Cup of Glow podcast seeks to entertain, inform, and inspire you through serial stories and discussions prompting you, the milestone diva in our midst, to own your power. You may have heard that laughter is the best medicine. I totally agree. When was the last time you've laughed until tears flowed down your face? Our guest today, Stephanie McHugh, is a funny lady who knows how to bring the laughter. She has appeared on the TV show America's Funniest Mom and was on the Steve and Stephanie Morning Show in KOOL 105 in Denver, Colorado. She was invited to perform at the Great American Comedy Festival and is a co founder of the Mental Pause comedy show. When Stephanie isn't performing comedy on cruise ships, which sadly was most of 2020, she is a humor coach for entrepreneurs and speakers, helping them use humor to connect with their audience. Since her days in radio, Stephanie also records voiceover projects out of her home studio. Welcome, Stephanie. I'm so glad that you can join us today. Gloria, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm pumped. Stephanie, of all the things you could be doing in life, why comedy? Mm, That is a great question. You know, I just sort of almost feel... um, driven to it a little bit because it can hurt so bad sometimes. I mean, it is wonderful. I love the connection when you make an audience laugh. Uh, But boy, when it, you know, sometimes it can just be grueling, the traveling and whatnot. But I think it started when, and I would say my whole family is funny, but when I was in junior high, my uh, best friend, I would go over to her house and uh, hang out. We would watch cartoons. And her dad was an alcoholic. Um, and he was in, uh, verbally abusive one day. And something just shot out of my mouth. And I made them both laugh. And it just really showed me how humor can change the tone of a room so fast. So that was, that's how it came about. All right. Well, I'm sure she appreciated it, too. Tell us, how did you decide to appear on the TV show America's Funniest Mom? Well, they were having auditions in Denver, Colorado. So I auditioned and um, made it so I was able to go on a trip to L.A. uh, for their uh, the next, what do I want to say, round of America's Funniest Moms. So we went there. Uh, Roseanne Barr was one of the uh, judges. It was uh, pretty cool to kind of see how 
like a reality show kind of works, you know, to be on there and different level of, uh, I don't want to say stress because it was fun too, but you know, to perform where game on type of thing. So that's how that came about. Well, that's cool. I would imagine yeah, it is stressful, not just from being on TV, but being in front of well-known personalities like that. That must have been awesome. Exactly. Yeah, it was very, um, it was very cool. It was quite an experience. It was, it was hard too, because I missed my kids. Isn't that ironic too? Like that sort of helped me go, you know, I'm not sure if I want to travel that much until they get older because uh, it was such a, a weird dichotomy to to want something so much but yet at the same time miss your kids so much you want two things that are sort of against each other a little bit how old were your kids at the time they were uh 10 and 7 at the time and uh, I had just gone through a divorce so it just sort of felt like everything was up in the air and I had just um uh went from being a stay-at-home mom to I had a contracting job so and then two weeks later I got the opportunity to go to Los Angeles so it was the job was in telecommunications so I went to my manager and said I know this sounds weird but I'm a stand-up comedian also and I just have the opportunity to go to Los Angeles because they could just let you go. You know, they could say, thanks. We're going to go with the next person, you know, to do the contracting uh, job. But they were super nice. Um, my ex-husband was very helpful, too, you know, with watching the kids and things like that. So I I went to L.A. and uh, performed. But it was it was weird. It's a lot, right? Sometimes things happen. Yeah. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Well, let me ask you something else. You've had many public roles on TV, what we're just talking about, America's Funniest Mom, in radio and on cruise ships. What's your favorite medium or venue to perform in? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I haven't done many podcasts, Gloria, but I do like the medium because so I guess that would go I'm I'm lumping that in with radio a little bit because I feel like you can it's more of a conversation and and it feels like I know when I listen to podcasts it's just sort of a level of of closeness you know you hear when you when you hear people on a podcast is how I feel so uh, I enjoy radio right now but I I love all three like your kids, Gloria. You can't totally pick a favorite. I hear you. I understand <laughs> completely. What what have been the most important influences on your comedy so far? Oh, that is a great question. You know what? I love Kathleen Madigan. She has a couple Netflix specials. Uh, if you or your listeners um, want to go uh, search her and listen to some of her things. And I um, went on the road with her. I opened for her also. And she is so nice and such a gifted, uh, like, storyteller and comedian. She makes it look 
so easy and just a wonderful friend. She came to um, support me. She lived in L.A. at the time. So when I was on America's Funniest Mom, that was a, a, a little while ago, she came out to support me and she knew Roseanne Barr personally. So she talked to her, you know, a little bit too, kind of. But uh, I have to say Kathleen um, Madigan. And then I love Sebastian Maniscalco lately. Uh, I just think he is so funny, too. Those are the two comedians that I listen to just for a little bit before I go on stage to do stand-up, just to kind of get myself in the zone. Yeah, being in the zone is so important. Right. Uh, let me ask you... Let me ask you this about, you know, I can't get away without asking you about COVID and how that affected you. But what yeah. what has been the greatest challenge for your career due to COVID? Has it affected everybody differently? So how about you? Yes. Well, that's a great question. I literally could not perform. Perform. I mean, I have to say I never took for granted that I had two healthy children. And I always felt blessed and grateful that I had that. But I always took for granted that I could get on stage, even if it was an open mic, a bar in Wyoming, there would be a stage for me to perform. And last year, uh, you couldn't. And it was really hard to sort of watch your whole industry sort of collapse. Uh, so, and it, it's not back totally, uh, yet. Um, so that was a challenge and my dad, uh, is getting older and has uh, Parkinson's and a little bit of dementia. So he had a couple, he never got COVID, but he was in the hospital a few times. So it was just hard to kind of go through that at yeah. the same time as COVID and not being able to perform. Uh, so that was a challenge. It was wild, right? It was almost like a global yeah. pain that we all went through collectively. Well, it was, but it was also interesting to see how people adjusted. Like I shied away from things like YouTube and Zoom and didn't want to have anything to do with anything visual but now I seem to be on Zoom every week. You know, it just it just works <laughs> right? out like that. But let me keep it in that vein. I watched you on Friday Night Funnies on YouTube. So that's a whole different avenue, YouTube versus live and on stage. And I totally enjoyed your performance. So what performance are you most proud of? Oh, thank you. That was so fun uh, to do that. There were a lot of comedians who were innovative and um, pivoted, you know, and did online shows. Friday Night Funnies is definitely one of them. And what am I most proud of? That's a good question. Um... My mind's going blank. I'm trying not to have dead dead air. That's that's not good on a podcast. I'm just gonna go with with that right now. I mean, recently, I can't think of anything uh, more. But um, that's recent. I had another uh, show coming up, and here's how COVID actually kind of helped me 
in my um, performance because I can't go out like to an open mic if I'm trying to work on new material or something. So I perform for my parents on Zoom. Like if I have a show and I want to see if something works, it's not the same as a live audience, but I'll do it in front of my parents on Zoom. I'll practice right. uh, um, there. So that's kind of one of the fun and a good way to connect with them, you know, while working on my set. Exactly. Well, do they give you the parents' feedback or do they give you the honest <laughs> feedback? Oh, honey. That is so... I find it amazing, you know, with my dad's uh, declining health, how sometimes he can be so sharp. He was a physical therapist and then was an administrator at a hospital. And he's been retired for like uh, 12 years. But he did Toastmasters in the 70s. And so sometimes, Gloria, it's painful, but I just have to get the words out of my mouth. I can't sort of sit down and write it. I'm too fidgety. I just work it out sometimes performing in front of someone. And so I had an online Zoom for a marketing alliance group. So I practiced it once in front of my parents um, because you, I like to have a joke specific for that group. And um, so I just did it and see how it worked. And, but it was the first time I had said the words out loud, some of them. And my dad goes, you said, um, like five or six times. <laughs> so he was, I'm like, wow, dad, he's the ah counter in my stand-up. <laughs> Once a Toastmaster, always a Toastmaster. It's That's, not going to leave you. It doesn't. It doesn't. So it's kind of fun to, like, just, again, have that time with my parents and, you know, see different. I almost wish I would have done this earlier with them. Yeah. Like, practiced, you know. Yeah. Cool. Now, you're a co-founder of the Mental Pause Comedy Show. <laughs> so describe that show for us and tell us how it started. And I'm sure it's not going on now because of COVID or maybe it ended a while back. But just talk to us about that. That sounds interesting, like something I may want to do in Tallahassee. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, my my very good friends, Nancy Norton and uh, Nora Lynch, both two other accomplished comedians, female comedians, uh, Nancy approached us and said, hey, I think it would be fun if we have something laughing off the Middle Ages, you know, something for a woman of a certain age. And it's a little more, what do I want to say? It's a little more racy, like it gets a little real. I would say definitely uh, Nancy. I, and I love that about her. Uh, but we just kind of had a show for us, Gloria, women like us, something geared towards that. So we called it the mental pause. So we just had uh, Nancy Norton or Lynch and I just put this show uh, together and we did a little, we wanted it for women of a certain age, but of course, men uh, too, if they wanted to come. Uh, and just to have fun, we had, um, we said, if there's something that you've always wanted to ask a woman in her middle ages, but were afraid to, they could write down a question. And we had a Q&A part of the show. And then we also talked about, we would close with a song. We said, uh, 
that it's been 25 years since the movie Flashdance came out. And they're coming out with a remake, and it's called Hot Flashdance. So <laughs> <laughs> we would sing that song, a parody of that song. And it was just, here's what, I love stand-up comedy, but it's, it's a, it's, can be lonely. You know, you're traveling by yourself. You see your good friends sometimes, but not that often. So I loved the camaraderie of performing with uh, Nancy and Nora all the time. So that's what I would say was great about it. And you're right. We haven't done it that much lately to, um, you know, as I started performing more on the cruise ships and we just kind of all sort of went in separate ways a little bit, but who knows, we, we may come back. Uh, to it, you know, as things kind of open up a little bit more. Uh, I read somewhere that Royal Caribbean was going to start test cruises, you know, get passengers to come on for test cruises. Um, Are they calling you now for cruise lines to start gearing up for shows on the cruises? That's a great question, Gloria. Actually, I performed on Norwegian But uh, I have a very good friend who did perform for like the past 20 years on Royal Caribbean. So they did ask him to go perform. But here's the deal is he's on it for four months straight. So where before we would be on for like two or three weeks and then go home, you know, for a week or two and then go out for another two or three weeks. So... So I'm not sure. And it was so ironic. You know, my kids are out of the house and uh, which is wonderful being an empty nester. Right. It's like having a rock in your shoe for 21 years. (laughs) But now I miss the rocks. Um, But I could perform on the cruise ships. And I had just sort of gotten my foot in the door when everything shut down. So uh, here's what's happening in the in the comedy world, I find like the clubs and the cruise ship, everyone who worked there, like an admin or booking or whatever, or at the clubs, the wait staff, the management, they're all gone. You know, they all um, had to get other jobs because it's been shut down for a year and a half. So now everybody's sort of scrambling to, to get people on board and get up to speed. So that's an extra layer of, it's not sort of like, oh, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Yeah. It's, you know, starting new and sort of still a little new. It sounds like on Royal Caribbean. I think that's great that they're doing that, but it's not back to normal yet. Well, I hope you can branch out and get more cruise lines or you're not allowed to work on competing cruise lines. How does that work? Oh, yeah. No, uh, you can. I just hadn't sort of gotten my foot in the door yet with Uh, Royal Caribbean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should leap out there right now and tell them, I'm vaccinated. I'm ready to go. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'm going to do that. That's right. I do miss the water. Um, It can be hard sort of being away from everybody, but I loved the ocean. Yes, I do too. It's so much. It's so relaxing, soothing, and all yes. of that. If you were mentoring a novice comedian, what words of wisdom would you give her? 
I would say pay attention to the pain in your life because that's where the humor is. Like sometimes on the cruise ships, I would sit there because you were typically by yourself. You would there'd be two other comedians there with you, but and you get to know them as the week goes on. But uh, being by yourself, you kind of I would listen and pay attention to what sort of irritated people. Um, and I noticed they would be so excited at the beginning of the trip and they all had their little mixed drinks with the umbrellas and, you know, like they've got their matching family reunion t-shirts and they're checking out the ship. And then by about Wednesday, they'd get on on Sunday and by Wednesday, everybody's getting a little testy. They're kind of stuck in a cabin with their family and the honeymoon phase is over. So that's where I go. That's where the funny is right there. You know, how can you sort of make light of that? Wow. So kind of pay attention to where the pain is and um, write it down and work on that for your funny. Well, as a comedian, what is your definition of success? Ooh, that is wonderful. My definition of success, I love audience. I, I love the experience of when you go on stage, like Comedy Works is my home club, amazing club. Um, and how a club is set up for success is it's dark. Everyone's in the dark and they're squished together. There's truth to laughter is contagious. You know, if you have a couple tables and people are all spread out and the lights are on, you're not going to get as many laughs as if there's one spotlight on the comedian. You know, there's nothing else really on stage except a mic stand and a bench for them to put a drink on or their notebook or whatever. And then just to feel, to have that interaction with the audience on a regular basis. This is, that's my post-COVID term of success. I'm not sure if I would have felt that as strongly before COVID as I do now, but I love being able to perform consistently and just feel that energy of the audience laughing coming at you. Yeah. I wonder why is it that in the dark people are more free to laugh and if the lights are on, something is, it's a different dynamic. Why is that? Right. Well, we can't solve. Yeah, I asked, why do you think that is? Oh, yeah. Well, I think you're a little more um, free and there's less judgment, I guess. Uh, Again, you're kind of talking about people's pains i i feel sometimes if I, I that's sort of where i go for like what am i trying to say i'm trying to think of an example like they say if you're performing for a corporate event let's say i'm performing for craft the macaroni and cheese department and the ceo is sitting right up front and the lights are on and everyone can kind of see him and i make a joke about Kraft macaroni and cheese versus, I don't know, Annie's organic. I wouldn't do that, by the way, yeah. just for this sake. You know, you would compare the two. And it was meant to be funny, kind of a little poke. 
Um, and everyone would think it's funny, but it would be a little sort of like if the CEO doesn't laugh, then no one else is going to laugh because you don't want to, you don't want to not do what the CEO is doing. So to me, I feel like if you're in the dark, you're just, you're free to laugh at whatever, um, comes up and be spontaneous. You don't have to worry about anything and you're focused right on the comedian. There's nothing else for you to really visually focus on. Does that make sense? It makes sense. And I had never thought about it that way. I just thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought maybe people were going to comedy clubs and cheating on somebody and they didn't want to be seen with that other person. <laughs> that could be, that's a good point. And the club was just helping them out by keeping us all in the dark. I don't know. That's good. See, that's a perfect example of something that was funny. And everyone would laugh except for that one couple that legit you did someone else oh no they could laugh too because they're in the dark in the dark (laughs) well stephanie on this podcast we always provide opportunities to recognize and celebrate birthdays with our listeners by offering a fun story or birthday trivia please tell us about your most fun or interesting birthday over 50 Ooh. Uh, my favorite thing to do is I live in Denver, Colorado, and I don't drink a lot. I don't drink much at all, to tell you the truth. But on my birthday, there's the Brown Palace in downtown Denver. It's a very old, like, I think it was built in 1880. I could be wrong. Someone's probably looking it up right now, and you can let me know how off I am. But it's an old, established, ornate hotel in downtown Denver and they have a cigar room and it's like an old west thing. So I like going there and I like having a cigar and a scotch on my birthday. And some, someday too, I would love to have it where like on my birthday, March 21st, like (laughs) everybody knows that I'll be there and like bring cans of food and we'll give it to a homeless shelter or a dog shelter or something like that. You know, like everyone knows that day of the year, they can come have a cigar and a scotch and in lieu of a birthday present. All right. Bring something for somebody else. Well, I don't drink or smoke cigars, but if I find (laughs) myself in Denver, Colorado, and you're in town, we're going to go to Brown Palace in downtown Denver. We're going to do it. It always yeah. feels so good. And then the next day, I'm like, I see why I don't smoke cigars all year <laughs> round. But, Glory, we can just do it once. Once yeah, a year. Once. It's on. Yeah. Yeah. I would love it. All right. My key word is happiness, and my ideal state of being is to be happy. Before we close, please leave us with a few words of wisdom to help us live happy. I would say, and this goes, helps me with stand-up comedy to um, be in the present moment, right this moment. Um, you know, sometimes on stage, thinking about the next joke or, gosh, is this going to be okay? And I'm like, you know what? We're just, we're right here, right now. My parents are here. It's a good day. My kids are doing great, if that makes sense. 
be in the present moment. That makes lots of sense, and I totally agree. Well, Stephanie, it's been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Listeners, you can check out some of Stephanie's comedy at www.stephaniemchugh.com. Stephanie, thank you. Gloria, thank you so much. You're welcome. It was fun. See you around at stage time. Yes, definitely. See you around. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Today's program was brought to you by Replay Fitness Feel Good Again, helping women age 50 and older to retire happy and feel good again. To learn more about Replay Fitness Feel Good Again, go to replayfitnessfga.com. Remember to subscribe and tell your friends about the podcast. We love what we do and sharing a few minutes with you. Email your questions or comments about the Cup of Glow podcast to Gloria at cupofglow.com. Until next time, this has been the Cup of Glow podcast with Gloria Darling, your sassy 60s milestone diva. It's about a decade and not a date.